There are 118 known elements on the periodic table. But what your government doesn't want you to know is that there's also 118 episodes of Bomb Squad Movie Night. Hi, I'm top-ranking agent Austin Zwiebelman, representing the St. Louis Intelligence Agency, G-A-Y. And with me today, I have... The name's Kraft. Tanner Kraft. <laughs> there are some who call me Jim... When exploring 135 years of film history since the mysterious Round Hay Garden scene, your compass usually points you in one of four directions. You could seek films out because of their commercial success, their critical success, their formalist merits, and the personal value they have to you specifically. Today, we're here because of option number one, the almighty box office, the latest film in the second most profitable franchise in India, behind S.S. Rajamali's Bahubali films, the highest grossing Indian film of 2023, and the second highest grossing Hindi film of all time. We're talking about Pathan, starring the incomparable Shah Rukh Khan. Pathan tells the story of a totally shredded super spy who has to stop a genius rogue agent from unleashing a virus that can kill entire cities full of people in minutes. Before we set sail into the heart of danger, we're going to stretch our legs with a warm-up question. Tim, Tanner, what's a movie you enjoy that features spycraft? We're going to kick off this episode with Tanner. Uh, Austin told me I should just say No Time to Die, which, fair, it's probably my favorite James Bond movie. However, for this one, I'm going to go a bit unconventional. When I say spy movie, you usually think of some kind of action thriller. I'm going to go with a spy movie that is thrilling, but in no way is an action, which is the Steven Spielberg-Tom Hanks 2015 collaboration Bridge of Spies, the movie that won Mark Rylance's first Oscar, a movie that I think gets a little overly hated for some reason. I think it's really strong. I think it's one of Spielberg's better movies of the 21st century. I love Hanks in it. Rylance's performance in it is just so beautiful and perfect. That movie allowing Rylance to become in the mainstream, constantly letting him give these fun, off-kilter performances in movie after movie, I think is a general net good in society. I know people are still angry that Sly Stallone didn't win for Creed that year. I get it. But if Rylance doesn't win that Oscar, maybe he doesn't do more mainstream movies. And clearly, judging from history, we still got Creed 2 and Creed 3. Yeah, we might not have gotten bones and all. The Bridge of Spies was a fun movie to watch because of its central question. How do we exchange one hostage for two hostages? And the way the movie navigates that was pretty brilliant. All right, Tim, what's a movie you enjoy that involves spycraft? So as much as I want to talk about Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, which is probably the spy movie I've watched the most times, <laughs> I'm going to go with the more obvious answer, which is the Liam Neeson vehicle Taken. One of Woo! the movies that I would generally consider to be in the pantheon of like modern classics. I mean, everybody loves the line about his particular set of skills that he's developed over a lifetime, and he shows off those skills throughout the course of the movie. It's a great time. It's very thrilling. I've only watched one of the sequels. Probably won't watch the other one. But that first one, pretty dang solid. Also, shout out to Rogue One, which I think is one of the best Disney Star Wars things. And is also sort of a spy movie. I just want to say, Taken 3 features an incredible sequence where Liam Neeson climbs a fence. And it features like 14 cuts in 17 seconds. It's fucking insane. It's true. All of it. Then cuts. Thanks for the insight, you guys. As for my answer, I'm going to briefly go over three films about spies, specifically the other films in this franchise. 
The Ashraj Film Spy Universe, which I watched in preparation for this mission. Starting off, there's Ek the Tiger from 2012, which translates into our Coca-Cola cowboy language as Once There Was a Tiger. Talk about humble beginnings. While this was the highest grossing Hindi film of 2012, its budget of $9 million was a far cry from like the $20 million budget given to War or the $28 million budget given to Pathan. It's a funny kind of standout of the series feeling more like a romantic comedy that happens to be about super spies instead of the other way around. You can also tell it's a release from 2012 because everyone's doing lots of parkour. Like, the directors just saw District B-13 and had a huge epiphany, like, this is the future of cinema! But th their investment in lead actor Salman Khan, the titular character, was the true moment of glory. He's genuine and fierce, and he pulls off the stunts quite well for a guy who was 47 at the time of shooting. Holy shit. Then there's Tiger Zinda High from 2017, which translates to English as Tiger is Alive. Like going from a hot tub straight into a cold swimming pool, the tonal shift from the first film's romantic vistas to occupied war zone in Iraq really kicks your ass. This movie is two hours and 40 minutes of pure stress. At one point, Tiger even has to save a small child from a suicide vest. And as somebody who lives in America and thinks our imperialism fucking sucks ass, it was kind of neat to see the ticking clock element of this movie, the brief window of time Tiger and his team had to rescue dozens of nurses who were being held hostage, was happening just because the American military just wants to drone strike the hospital they're being held hostage in, even though there's many innocent people inside. Very tense movie, lots of politics going on, and there are certain climactic points where you can definitely see that it was one of the most expensive Hindi films ever made at the time. Then there's War from 2019, and I don't need to translate that one. English countries absolutely fucking know what the word war means. War is the first of the YRF spy universe films directed by Siddharth Anand, who also directed today's film, Pathan, and damn near immediately you can tell that something special happened behind the scenes. There is a long take near the beginning of this film that is so complicated it made my fucking jaw drop. War was also the highest grossing Indian film of 2019 by a pretty substantial margin. And when you see the film, you understand why. Rithik Roshan is pure dynamite, he's got eyes that look like precious stones, and a body that looks like he can climb a mountain? A true badass, squaring off with Tiger Shroff over a saga of twists and betrayals that will seriously fuck you up. To compare, like, YRF spy universe movies to another popular spy series from the States, going from the Tiger movies to War is like going from Mission Impossible 1 to Mission Impossible 4. The old movies were lots of fun, but Siddhartha Nan movies are so much more modern and impressive, which leads us right to today's main subject. Pathan, the fourth film in the franchise, not to mention the most profitable and the best reviewed of the bunch. What are our thoughts on Pathan? We're going to switch up the order and start with Tim this time. Yeah, so uh, as I mentioned on the RRR podcast last year, I am woefully underversed in Indian films. And so this was a very fun way to sort of increase my knowledge of Indian films. And uh, boy, howdy, this was a fun one. Just starting out, I have the great moment of Pathan coming in, kicking ass, 
he gets his hero shot. They have that fucking shotgun cam shot. I love all of the, like, gun cam shots in this movie. Those rule. <laughs> Bathon is just such a cool protagonist, and everything going on in this movie did make me want to check out that YRF spy universe. So I did manage to watch two of the other movies before this recording. I watched uh, Eck the Tiger the night after, which, as Austin alluded to, is a very big tonal shift. Like, it's a much more subdued movie in comparison. And then I watched War this morning, and uh, holy shit, War is incredible. Yeah, these, these movies are a lot of fun. I'm gathering from, like, what I can see of the timeline of these movies that Tiger is sort of the leading man of this universe, sort of the Tony Stark, if you will. And uh, that, that sort of is telling in this movie, because, man, his scene is kind of the best one in the movie. He just fucking comes in with the goddamn milkshake in his hand, and they just start kicking ass, and they run up a train like it's a fucking Uncharted game. Uh, there's just so much good action in this movie. It doesn't have quite the same magic as the first time I saw RRR, but it's an absolute blast. Indian just does action better than Hollywood. We need to get on their level. Back to you, Austin. Thank you so much, Tim, for getting the hype train started. Now, Tanner, are you ready to derail the hype train? The biggest disservice this movie had is, unfortunately, I saw Fast X two days before it, which is more insane. Everything in this movie seemed much more normal and mundane in comparison. I'm also much more versed in your average Indian blockbuster movie. Bathon is a great one, no doubt. It has a lot of fun set pieces. It has your classic leading man charm. Um, it has a scene that made me feel like, oh my god, this must be what people felt like watching Thor Ragnarok and all of a sudden Hulk showed up. If they hadn't ever seen another Marvel movie. When Tiger showed up, it's like, What's going on? Why is everyone treating this guy like he's important? I have no idea who the fuck this is. <laughs> don't get me wrong. It is a very fun movie. I just don't think it's particularly exceptional. It has a lot of great stuff going to it. You can tell there's a lot of budget put into this. The effects are pretty great, which is more than I can say for a lot of Indian action movies. Usually they can kind of fall short in the uh, effects regards. Uh, please see what was the most expensive Indian movie before RRR. 2.0. 2.0, listen, if you like, there's stuff to like in 2.0. The effects are dog shit. The effects are comically bad. It's in those, like, Bollywood compilations on YouTube about how silly they sometimes look. They can sometimes look very silly, but this one looks great. It has a lot of uh, weight to the action, which can be sometimes lacking in many action movies, not just, you know, ones from India. And there's a lot to like here. I will say the biggest disappointment here is that, like I said, you guys need to watch more Indian blockbusters because, like, not too, not too from RRR is an exceptional dance number. Most Indian movies don't meet that standard, but they often have really great dance numbers. The dance number in this one is bad. Just flat out boring. I was texting Austin occasionally through the movie, and at some point I literally texted him, this scene is still going? To be fair, I threw up the shield. I think the dance number, the party scene in War, from the same exact franchise, makes the dance number in this look like it was directed by a baby. I mean, no, no offense, uh, seriously, it was a logistical undertaking, but stylistically, the dance number in War is fucking incredible compared to this one. I'll have to check that one out. This one just kind of looks like a mediocre music video to me. Again, I, I I like the lead. I like the plot. I remember when the movie opens up with fucking Pakistan, India bullshit. I was like, oh, cool. This is interesting. I've noticed a lot of Indian movies I've seen lately are dealing with the Indian Pakistan sort of always constant tension. Um, I wonder what that means. Someone smarter than me look into that. Indian politics. Yeah. 
the scene with Tiger, like Tim was saying, was probably the best scene in the movie. When they're both just lifting miniguns like it's nothing and going off with it, I was like, hell yes. This is what I'm into, shooting people with miniguns. I love that the plot, like, oh god, they got a hold of smallpox? Great thing. House MD had a great episode about getting a hold of smallpox. It's always good when smallpox is in your media. It's uh, one of the better blockbusters of the year. I still have it ranked 21st in my year-end rankings right now, right behind Fast X. It might be behind the Power Ranger special. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. It was interesting that the hero song was largely in English. Oh, one more thing. The villain's name is Jim, which is objectively funny because it's just like, I used to do what you do when I was betrayed. I share the same name as John Krasinski's character from The Office. I wish he just jimmed the camera once. It would have been great. Back to you, Austin. I'm glad that we have this more lukewarm representation because I feel like there was a, a fair amount of the people who saw this in India who viewed it as generic. And you wonder if they're sort of like, the fact that we can't understand the language might enhance it as an action film. Like, you know that Russo Brothers show, Citadel? That's not a real show, all right? You keep making it up. I was watching it and thinking, this might be a reverse Pathan situation. You know, I feel like people who don't understand English might watch Citadel and go, this fucking rules! Let me put it this way. If the only Marvel movie you have seen is the first Avengers movie, you're like, holy fucking shit. The thing is, Marvel has made like eight movies like that. They make three of them a year. India makes around three to five blockbusters of this caliber every year. Only one gets to win the lucky draw of being the highest grossing one. And Pathan won that draw. We gotta wonder why. But now, time for my thoughts on Pathan. My initial reaction to Pathan was that it got me super pumped. Pumped. Like, push it to the limit montage in Scarface level pumped. I went and organized my house for like four hours after the first time I saw Pathan. It was like cinematic cocaine. But I've got to be more objective about the movie today, and having seen it a second time now, I've definitely got to say it's nowhere near as earth-shattering as RRR was, but few movies ever will be. And there's actually plenty of stuff to appreciate about Pathan that I've learned from researching the film. For starters, this film actually shut down the Burj Khalifa Boulevard in Dubai while they were shooting the scientist kidnapping scene. That is a feat no Hollywood movie has ever accomplished. It reminded me of that time Cameron Crowe and the absolute maniac Paula Wagner were able to shut down Times Square for Vanilla Sky. Another fun fact about the Dubai sequence, the action director presiding over it was Casey O'Neill, a dude who was the stunt coordinator on Top Gun Maverick and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Serious motherfucker in the industry. This was also the first Indian movie to ever be shot on Lake Baikal in Siberia, known to trivia enthusiasts as the world's deepest, oldest lake. You can listen to Anand in interviews. He makes it kind of his goal when he makes a movie to set scenes in places that he thinks his viewers have never seen before. Sometimes it's a crutch, like the lackluster dance sequence in Cadiz, Spain. Sometimes it's a huge benefit, like the massive frozen lake of death. This was also the first Bollywood film to be fully shot using official IMAX cameras. Not IMAX certified cameras like Alexa's or Phantom's, a straight up IMAX digital camera. There are only like 26 of those in the world and there's usually not even one in India. So they had to really step up to film it at this fidelity. 
as a VFX person, I gotta say that this was incredibly impressive for a Bollywood film. I know this makes me sound like a real bastard, but I usually think Bollywood films are like 10 years behind Hollywood when it comes to technical advancements. Uh, again, go watch 2.0 if you don't believe me. Oftentimes, there's more of an emphasis placed on how crazy an effect can be instead of how realistic it looks. But YFX released their VFX breakdown for Pathan, and there's some really surprising stuff in there. They reconstructed all of Dubai digitally. Many of the cars in that sequence were uh, CGI, and the scene where Pathan retrieves Rubai from underwater, a combination of blue screen and CGI, baby. They even got the hair and the air bubbles to look good, which is the hardest part of an underwater scene. And uh, holy shit, I just want to say, the first time I heard the gym theme, I got so fucking hyped. Jim is such a funny name for a Bollywood bad guy, I agree, Tanner, but John Abraham's look and his character's theme, absolutely iconic. 10 out of 10. I would say the three highlights of the movie are the Russia heists, Tiger showing up on the train, and Patan's intro. Everything else is fairly standard action blockbuster fare, but those sequences really caught my attention. To sort of wind things down, after RRR, theaters in my area around St. Louis decided that Indian blockbusters were much more marketable now, and Pathan was appointed the successor. This is not a timeless classic like RRR was, but it is an absolutely solid way to spend two and a half hours. There is a limited number of modern blockbusters for you to enjoy, and an even more limited number of them that are this well put together, so I'd recommend anybody who's a fan of action movies and doesn't mind reading subtitles, take a chance on Pathan. Here in the States, it's available for anybody with an Amazon Prime subscription, so if you like what you see in today's episode, you can go ahead and check it out there. But what did we think of the movie's real hero, Colonel Luthra? Tune in after the break for some general discussion about Pathan. It's a Fuck. cancer diagnosis, not a pretty girl's Instagram. Hi, welcome back to Bomb Squad Movie Night, episode 118, Pathan Edition. Before Pathan can return from his time in exile, we've got another ad for you. Do you want wall art, but you don't want to alienate your peers by framing a print of Guernica? You should try MoviePalette.com, a website that sells wall art comprised of stripes of color representing every scene from your favorite movies, printed on high-quality canvas, ready to ship directly to your home. MoviePalette.com turns any movie you love into a stunning art piece that guests won't be able to take their eyes off. And why not save money in the process? Enter our promo code SQUAD15 at checkout for 15% off your order. Link down below now back to the show welcome to general discussion where we all get a chance to speak freely about whatever comes to our minds anybody want to kick off this rock and roll concert with something they didn't get to bring up in the first half of the show I was talking about this with Austin earlier about how, uh, and I say this in the RR podcast, the thing that uh, sets up Indian blockbusters both in Hollywood and in Bollywood and the various other film industries in India, what separates them from a lot of American blockbusters is the just absolute commitment to sincerity and the unflinching, just completely unafraid to be perceived as quote-unquote cringe. They don't care if the physics don't, they don't make sense. They understand that you want to see these people basically be superheroes without actually wearing tights. I always think of the uh, climactic jetpack, like the wingsuit sequences at the end as like the biggest sort of like Bollywood signal. 
Yeah. yeah. I feel like if you put that in an American movie, like an American blockbuster that wasn't like in the G.I. Joe series, it would be mostly rejected by uh, critics and audiences. Austin, it's funny you say that because what I'm about to say is not a joke. There is a scene almost identical to that in Fast X. I'm not kidding. All right. I'd like to tell audiences, although I have 4K copies of the trailers, I do not have a copy of Fast X. <laughs> so go see it now in theaters if you want to see what the fuck Tanner's talking about. I swear to God, it's real. I thought it was kind of funny that they started the film with General Kadir having cancer. Uh, that didn't come into play for so long afterward. I borderline forgot that part even happened. Although that's easy for me to say as somebody who was barely aware of Jammu and Kashmir before I saw this film. Like, when it turned on, I was like, that's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it pays off. Because it's just some bald guy, and he's like, I have the cancer, boss. <laughs> like, <laughs> Wait, so would this be like if you, like, watched a Marvel movie for the first time? Like, let's say you start with, like, an Avengers secret asshole seven and the movie starts with nick fury you have cancer and this is the first one you're watching mm -hmm. i'm supposed to know that guy i have seen the other three and i don't remember general kadir but he might have been more of a background character this might be me outing my ignorance but i think he might just be a new guy so that's like if you watched Avengers Secret Ass Cancer War 7, and it did actually just start with some random... Uh, Johnny Sins has cancer. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, there's a point, it's kind of like a running thing in the film, where Pathan brings up Katsugi, right? When mm -hmm. Pathan brought up Katsugi for the first time, it felt like those movies who give characters a speech defining what an apex predator is... Like, Kitsugi, for anybody who doesn't remember, is the Japanese art of repairing broken pottery with lacquer that's been mixed with powdered gold, thus making it more valuable even though it's been broken. Like, there's tiers of references in my book. There's really incredible ones that seem like they're from, like, smart people literature. Like, like in Aronofsky's Pie, when they bring up, like, numerology influencing the structure of Hebrew words. Then there's shit I heard from a Now This video. Like, Kitsugi. Like, of course, it's, it's still an okay reference. It's better than all the movies that pull the, like, definition of insanity quote by, like, a mile. But it does feel like the screenwriter got that from a BuzzFeed article that his kids wrote. Red. Now this, yeah. God, that's a... I think they're still around. All the rage in 2016. I can just see a screenwriter, like, right before, you know, the pandemic happened. Just like, hey, kid, what are you looking at on your phone? Oh, did you know they used to repair pots with gold? And he's like, I have to write Pathan. I got this. <laughs> I got. I have to write Pathan. No, I could imagine now as, like, just a fucking, like, a now this video with the text overlaid over footage of this movie explaining the plot of the movie. Did you know that this brave Indian spy saved his country? <laughs> um, actually, uh, Tiger's in the high at the the second film where Tiger has to go in and rescue like 46 nurses or something is actually based on a real life event that happened in 2014. These movies have, you know, taken from the well of real life stories at least once to my knowledge. Yeah. Th this director, uh, Siddharth Anand, is actually a third generation Bollywood person, by the way. His old man B2 uh, wasn't much to shake a stick at. He produced like one movie from what I can tell, and it was directed by Siddharth's uncle, uh, Tinu. But his grandfather, Indra Raj, holy shit, the dude wrote 120 films. So it, filmmaking kind of runs in his family a little bit. You know, uh, th that reminds me of an interesting thing I've noticed with India. 
lately here in America, in the subject of the entertainment industry, what has really become a hot button topic is nepotism in the entertainment industry and how there's a bunch of people from all sides arguing and screaming at each other and it's all annoying because none of them are correct except me. I have the correct opinion. Of course. Um, <laughs> but basically screaming by like, whoa, they're only there because their parents are there. And I was like, yeah, but they probably wouldn't stick around if they didn't have some semblance of talent, which I often find to be true, but they were given opportunities, blah, 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 blah. It's a whole thing and some people s- somehow see the art as less authentic because of it. Now, granted, I am not Indian, so what I'm about to say might be completely inaccurate, but in India, they seem to fully embrace the nepotistic aspects of it. Being from a generation of filmmakers or actors is a largely celebrated thing. So much so that when a American movie decided to do a little bit of bit about Bollywood, uh, Eternals, there was a whole bit about how Kingo, Kingo, was his own great-grandfather, grandfather, grandfather, you know, so on and so forth, and that was just, that could be a thing. That was normal, that was accepted, that was celebrated. It's, yeah. it's an interesting thing I've noticed uh, across over there about how differently they treat their generations of filmmakers. Yeah, the, the nepotism is more appreciated. All right, um, I'm, I'm going to officially crack open the box of me shitting on the film a little. There are things in this film that definitely don't hold up to intellectual scrutiny. And the biggest one for me is Pathan's perceived superiority to Jim. Like, at the end, he, like, tries to own him with a speech and takes his bravery medal. But Jim was only pissed off because the government let pirates murder his pregnant wife. Meanwhile, when Pathan got captured, Ross sent Tiger to save his ass from getting sliced up by Russians. Totally different situations. Pathan just gets to act superior because somebody actually came to his aid. Pathan is one bad day away from becoming Jim. And I know this especially because Pathan's unit is called Joker. You know, that's a good point. If you look down the timeline of the movies that are coming out, the last one that's like been confirmed so far is Tiger versus Pathan. Yep. So I'm ready for that showdown. <laughs> oh, I thought that was just another WB Monsters verse movie. Yeah, it's it's a WB movie about a literal huge tiger against a boy from Afghanistan. <laughs> just a Pathan boy. Tiger from the Tiger movies becomes a Tiger Kaiju. All right, guys, who would win in a fight? Giant tiger kaiju or Afghanistan insurgents? Who would win? I got my money on the insurgents, baby. (laughs) Tim, I got to ask, since we might not ever talk about the uh, YRF spy universe ever again, did the twist in war completely fuck you up? Yeah, no, it was it was a lot of me going, what? Mm-hmm. Basically, that whole movie. And once they started doing, like, the face-off shit, I'm like, what the goddamn? That whole, like, last leg of the movie was wild. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> the whole action set piece that turned into, like, three different action set pieces was crazy. Mm-hmm. Agreed. War is actually really worth it. I found the Siddhartha Nod films to be, like... Like, he took a massive forward leap in quality, and I'm pretty excited for Tiger 3, but we're not going to get another Anand film until Tiger vs. Bathan. So hopefully whatever other director they pin, you know, the, the series on can figure out how to match the high bar that he set. Yeah. yeah, everything you guys are telling me about war makes it seem like it might even be better than this one. Uh, and I did enjoy this one quite a bit. Yeah, I think I did like war a little bit better than Bathon, but like I did like both of them a lot. 
Yeah, I've been battling with that too, because first time I saw Pathan, it was my introduction to the universe, and I was like, yeah. oh hell yeah, it doesn't get any better than this. But there were several points during war where I was like, this may be more tense and have more dimensions to it. I, it's, it's kind of a close call because they're both very good on a technical level and a screenwriting level. War definitely has a less funny tone. Like that scene where yeah. Pathan and Rubai are first hanging out together, and she's like kicking ass around him, and he's like, oh, women. Like there's not a scene like that in war. The ending bit of Pathan was also very funny, where he, like, deactivates it two seconds before it goes off, and they're just like, shut the bomb off! Call it off! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I just love how it just, like, turns at the last second. Did you guys see the post credit scene for this, by the way? Yep. Mm -hmm. Tiger and Pathan hanging out after the train sequence, talking about how uh, they've, they've been in the business for 30 years, and maybe someone else should take over. But then they can't think of anybody to take over, because everyone else doesn't have any style. There was like a sense of meta to that I kind of liked. I, I think the speculation is both of those actors have been in the industry for roughly 30 years. Uh, so they're they're sort of talking as themselves a little bit. Wait, how old is the guy that plays Bathon? I don't know how old the guy who plays Bathon is. I also didn't think the guy who played Tiger was 47 in the first Tiger movie. Wait, the first Tiger movie came out like 10 years ago. You're telling me that, that guy is 57, 58 in this movie? Yeah, yeah, oh. maybe. Well, it's nice to know that Indian actors and their stars are also on gear. Holy shit, Shah Rukh Khan is 57. So there's a fun bit of marketing. YRF put out a bunch of making up videos on YouTube and uh, they have this story that when they were shooting the sequence in Spain, that opening musical number that what we didn't receive so well, apparently it was fuck you level cold that day and everyone was in bikinis and having a terrible time. Like it was like serious, like 40 degrees outside with wind. And then apparently according to their making up video, Shah Rukh Khan showed up in that like kind of button down with his shirt open or whatever and everyone suddenly was like hell yeah now i want to dance because the sexy guy is here like it's a funny little bit of marketing that feels very like bollywood he was so hot we were able to dance in the cold around him there's a, another funny bit of marketing about the other dance sequence the one at the end where the director i think pretends that he was trying to get Shah Rukh khan to take his shirt off he invents this like myth like oh he's shy he doesn't like going shirtless and Shah Rukh khan is like yeah i've never done my signature your dance move with abs before like it's an interesting like thing to do is integrate like marketing myths into your making of videos build the myth of the actor through these sort of tall tales that is a very common thing with a lot of Indian stars. Like, you, you you hear about the behind-the-scenes makings of these movies, and they very often talk about the fans of this actor are expecting to see a certain thing. Again, it's just a very interesting thing about the way they make movies there that is different, but also very similar to ours. We go into movies expecting to see a certain things. However, Martin Scorsese isn't doing an interview saying, well, when people come to this movie, they're expecting him to yell. You know, it's just <laughs> right. it's an interesting thing. But, um... Here's a thought that just occurred to me. So, cinematic universes were the big fucking craze in 2012 when the Avengers came out. Coincidentally, the same year the first movie of this franchise came out. Uh, I am currently operating under the uh, assumption that they didn't intend this to be a universe when they started. I could be wrong. However, uh, something that's interesting about this one then is, now again, correct me if I'm wrong, unlike the other successful cinematic universes, which so far are the Avengers and Warner Brothers MonsterVerse, or those are the only ones that are doing well at all, this one seems to be composed entirely of original characters and is not based off of pre-existing IP. Am I correct mm -hmm. in saying that? I believe so, yeah. 
They're they're building a universe out of characters that aren't from the comics or aren't classic monsters from a hundred years ago, or Tom Cruise in a mummy. Yeah, yeah, they're falling more on, like, classic Bollywood archetypes or spy film archetypes instead of, you know, like, lifting things whole cloth from other works of fiction that have been previously established. It's kind of impressive now that you say it. This is the first one that has that YRF spy universe logo at the beginning of it, Mm. uh, I noticed. Okay. So it seems like this was just Tiger the franchise until they were like, what if we went bigger? The first two were Tiger, and then War was, like, a whole different set of characters, and then this one is the one that really tied everything together. So they could have just cobbled this together one day, had some kind of beautiful, coked-up idea, like, oh, Yashraj Films produced the Tiger films, those are about a spy, War was very successful, what if we just kept all these characters in a basket and now they're all playing together? Because again, there's no mention of Tiger and War. This could have been a very recent invention made shortly before Pathan was made. American franchises should do this, okay? Crossovers fucking rule. Remember the Sony email leaks? Remember when they said they were going to do a 21 Jump Street Men in Black crossover? That still hasn't happened and I'm still upset. They should do shit like that. Listen, hear me out. The next Fast and Furious movie, who distributes the Fast and Furious movies? Universal. You know what Universal's single biggest franchise is outside of the Fast and Furious movies? Despicable Me. Uh, Okay, other than that, live action, Jurassic Park. I want to see fucking dinosaurs chasing Vin Diesel around. Give me (laughs) Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. Please. (laughs) All right, looks like we're getting ready to ride off into the sunset and close the book on Pathan. Any final thoughts on the movie before we close out today's episode? Tanner, speak now or forever hold your peace. More like mid-thon. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I really enjoy... (laughs) It's a good movie, guys. I, uh, You two specifically just need to watch more Indian movies. I'm sure a lot of Indian people that watch this movie, uh, watch this episode in the comments will agree with me. This is a great movie. India makes five movies like this every year. Truly, there is so much talent over there. It is truly uh, what India is able to output in their country is second only to America in terms of blockbusters. So this one's great. I guarantee you there are three other ones that are great like this one. Excellent. I'm happy to hear that because, yeah, I'd love to watch films that are as good as this. Tim, what are your final words for the audience? When one cinematic universe closes, another one opens. I had a great time with this. It made me want to explore these other films more. I'm excited to see Tiger 3 later this year. Later down in the pipeline, we got War 2 and Tiger vs. Pathan. I'm down for it all. If you haven't seen these films, check them out on Amazon Prime. All of them, except for Tigers and High, are available for streaming. Uh, that one you'll have to find through other means. But uh, it's definitely worth checking out. It's, it's a good cinematic universe. It's pretty rewarding. My final thoughts... Of all the genres, I think that action succeeds best at crossing international borders. People who have never seen a movie from Uganda know who killed Captain Alex. People who have never seen a movie from Indonesia know The Raid. And I think India is starting to produce films that can actually rival the vastly more expensive films coming out of Hollywood, using every trick in the book from creative visual effects to insane stunts with some very charismatic actors there to seal the deal. Pathan is just as fun as your typical Hollywood blockbuster, if not slightly better. Perhaps the only thing Pathan has that RRR doesn't is that Pathan's journey doesn't stop with this film. 
Be on the lookout for Tiger 3 coming out November 10th of this year. That beast has a $36 million budget, $8 million Ooh. more than this huge-ass production. Hot damn, that's a lot for an Indian movie. These YRF Spy Universe movies only seem to get bigger and better every time, so give it a shot and learn for yourself what all the hype has been about. And that's it for today's episode. Comment below and let us know. Are you a fan of the YRF Spy Universe? Was Pathan super great or was it overrated? What kind of workout do I have to do to get Shah Rukh Khan's abs? Comment below and let me know. If you're listening to us on any of the audio platforms, rate us five stars and insist to your coworkers that we're the future of film review shows. If you're watching the uncensored edition of this episode on Spotify video, we hope you enjoyed the fucking shit out of it. If you're watching this on YouTube, thanks for making us ad money. We hope you enjoyed the glorious YouTube exclusive 4K visuals. If you want to save our skins and help us do this for a living, go over to our Patreon. We're coordinating to have exclusive rewards up in the near future, and it would mean the world to us if you could support the channel. Tune in next week when we're covering the cult classic 1983 Canadian adult animated musical Rock and Rule, hosted by Ethan Hawker, our resident animation historian, featuring returning guest Dawn from the Anime Nostalgia Podcast. You're going to be hard-pressed to see HD footage of this film outside of our show because the Blu-ray is worth a small fortune, so tune in then. Thank you for watching, and Jai Hint. This message will self-destruct in 5, 4, 3, 2... I still piss the bed! Ah! Baton!